Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Thanks for coming back to Set for Life. I'm glad you keep coming back. Uh, you must like something about God's Word. First Kings 21, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near, next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than it, or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went to his house, sullen and displeased, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Okay, Ahab is cranky. He's pouting like a little kid. He didn't get his way. But Naboth, on the other hand, he was a very good man, and he feared God. And Ahab, he did make him a fair offer. He wanted his vineyard because it was so close to his house. I mean, who, do, who hates a long trip to the grocery store, right? But he offered to pay him for it or give him a better one. And so the reason why Naboth refused his offer, it's not because he was stubborn, but it was because of Naboth's inheritance from his fathers. And so Naboth chose to remain committed to keeping also what the law said about it. And we find that in Numbers 36, verse 7. So the inheritance of the children of Israel shall not change hands from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Okay, so you can see why Naboth did not want to give his vineyard up, because he valued God's law. He didn't want to just give it up just because of being a hardhead. He was keeping God's law. So the law also said in Leviticus chapter 25 that if someone became too poor, to survive. They could sell their land, that inheritance, but they would have to sell it to a relative within their own tribe because it wasn't supposed to change hands from a tribe to another tribe. So then later, let's say the person that was poor was suddenly able to save up, then they could buy the land back from the relative that bought it for them, from them, and they could have it restored back to them again. But let's say they could not save up and time stayed hard and they remained poor and they were unable to buy it back from the relative that bought it, then whoever had bought it from them would hold on to it. They would keep it in their tribe so that it would not change tribes until what was called the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee would come. It was a time of restoration. We believe in a God of restoration because he restores us in Christ, right? 
But the year of Jubilee would come, and then that land would return back to the original owner, regardless of whether they were able to buy it back or not. So you can see how God wrote his law in such a way to help keep his people, the Israelites, in the land that he promised them. God gave the Israelite people multiple ways of being able to keep their inheritance because God gave it to them. He wanted them to stay in it. So he wrote the law in a way that would keep them there. How nice is that? It's very important what this law stated about a man's inheritance from his father. So now we can see how faithful and godly Naboth was with his vineyard. Naboth valued the Lord God's covenant with his people. But on the flip side, this also shows us how King Ahab, he did not care one bit at all about God's law for Israel or the covenant that God made with all of his people. Ahab should, of all people, he should have understood that you can't just buy somebody out of a vineyard. You can't just take it away because God's law stood against that. This was Naboth's very inheritance, his valuing God's law, valuing God's covenant, okay? So trying to buy an Israelite's vineyard, that was like trying to get them to turn away from the covenant that God had made with them. So Ahab's offer here, hey, I'll give you another one or I'll buy it for equivalent. It sounded fair, right? But it disregarded God's law entirely. It was very disrespectful to the Lord and the covenant he made. It was a major demonstration on Ahab's terms here that Ahab basically did not care about God. And so from this vineyard buyout attempt here, we get to see just how hard-boiled, how big bad Ahab, how he was, bad to the bone you could call him, how wicked this man was. So Ahab stormed off like a cranky five-year-old because he couldn't buy Naboth's vineyard, 1 Kings 21 and 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So God wrote his law to honor the Israelites, even right down to the individuals, not just the entire nation as a whole, but down to individual people. Now, apparently, Jezebel grew up to believe that individuals had no rights at all, nor honor for that matter. She believed that as queen, I'm higher up the ladder than you are. I have the authority and the power. I'm royalty and you're not. She believed that she was allowed to just take anything she wanted from whoever she wanted, whether it was vineyard or a life. Now, you'd think 
that Ahab, remember, she said, you exercise authority. He had the authority. He should have had the spine to tell Jezebel not to mess with Naboth's vineyard, especially when you consider how God had just delivered Ahab from King Ben-Hadad. You remember that? He had just delivered him from that wicked king that came and said, I'm going to take your wives, your children, and all your silver and gold away from you. God spared him. God spared Ahab. Now, I want you to catch the picture here. Someone had just tried to take away, in the previous chapters, everything that Ahab had possessed, but now Ahab was going to just sit back and allow this wicked woman, Jezebel, to take away what Naboth possessed. Do you see the hypocrisy here? Now, this is what happens to people who serve a false god. They start thinking they can take what they want, when they want, from who they want, and who cares what the law says, much less God's law. They don't value the truth of God. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and they murder. 1 Kings 21.11 So the men of his city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. It's kind of like, hey, uh, hey, buddy, I just finished mowing your grass. Can I get paid now? It's like the job's done. Like It was no big deal. You know, it's amazing how Ahab and Jezebel, they had no regard for God's law at all when it came to giving the Israelites their rights. But they were sure quick to use God's law. You sh- don't blaspheme the Lord. Oh, he blasphemed the Lord. Oh, stone him. They were real quick to use the law on that when it came to taking people's rights away. They didn't value the law when it gave people rights, but when they would twist it to take their rights away, oh, they they used the law, actually misused it, twisted it based on law principles to get Naboth stoned. I hope you're getting the sense of just how crazy bad these people were. And I'm not just talking about Ahab and Jezebel alone but also the men of Naboth's city, the elders and the nobles, that whole society was rotten. So when Naboth was dead, it says the scoundrels here. These are the guys that did it. A scoundrel means a dishonest cheat, a liar. They were basically so bad, they were basically carbon copies of what King Ahab was. Whatever King Ahab did, the wickedness that was in him, it propagated out from him to all the people of the land And everybody was acting like this. Everybody was bad. You know, many times in the Old Testament, before Israel had any kings at all, it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is because they had no leadership standards set in front of them through a king that showed them how to live godly and according to God's law. But here in 1 Kings 21, the standard that was being set before them was not a good standard. It was wicked King Ahab. And so you can see why almost everyone was just about as messed up as Ahab was. You remember, though, 
how Elijah allowed Ahab to escape execution. Remember when they were up on Mount Carmel, Elijah executed all of Baal's priests, okay? You would think that would scare a man to say, you know what? As king, I better do right with what I've been given. Let me get home. Let me turn this whole thing around. But he never did. Ahab was given opportunity after opportunity, time and time again, to get right with the Lord God of Israel, yet he still refused to do it. And now Naboth had been murdered, and that's another thing added to his his bad boy list, that now he's guilty of murder. His death was executed by letters that were written in Ahab's name, and they were sealed with his signet ring. It said that Jezebel used his name and signet ring to make those orders. What I'm trying to give you is the sense of how absolutely solid Ahab was about disregarding the Lord's commands and his laws, the Lord's ways that a king should operate. Now, I think the only time we ever actually really saw Ahab listen to God is when his own tail was on the line. Remember when Ben-Hadad said, I'm going to take away everything you got. I'm going to take your wife, your kids, all your money. When he was faced with destruction, that's when Ahab listened because he didn't want to lose everything he had. Ahab had been shown a lot of mercy, but he never gave any mercy out to anybody. So after the Lord saved Ahab from Ben-Hadad, Ahab put destruction onto Naboth. Do you see, guys, do you see how bad this is? This guy's wicked. So what the Bible's trying to do, it's trying to show us some, some situations here, some things that Ahab did to give us an understanding of the case that God had against Ahab. The Lord God is going to judge Ahab, but we need to be informed why this, the judgment that was coming was so severe, because look at what he did. This is just some of what he did. I'm sure there were more instances of Ahab's brutality around the kingdom besides what we just heard about Naboth. I'm sure there's more that happened, but this is just one example that we were given to get an understanding of how rotten to the core this man was. 1 Kings 21.15 And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. So it was, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rebuked Jezebel and said, you should have never done that. No, it doesn't say that. Follow me. Look at what he does here. It's terrible. It says Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Friends, do you see that Ahab had absolutely no problem with getting right up out of bed? Boom, I'm up. Okay, I got a new vineyard. I'm excited now. Let's go make some vegetables and make my own food. And uh, my gain, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. He went and just took the vineyard. There was no rebuke to Jezebel. There was no talk of, excuse me, you did what? You had him killed? None of that. There was no talk of that. There's no rebuke. None of It just says he just got right up and took Naboth's vineyard. It's mine now. I always get what I want. I'm the king. His very actions by just getting up and taking that, that vineyard, his very actions say, I don't care about God. I just don't care. 
because everything in Ahab's life was all about Ahab. Ahab had no thanks to the Lord for sparing his life after he had worshipped Baal, no thanks to God for sparing his women, his children, and or his silver and his gold for, in, to keep Ben-Hadad from taking it. No thanks, no remorse, no appreciation, no obedience, and certainly Ahab had no fear of God. Why did he have no fear of God? Because he was too busy looking for things for himself. 1 Kings 21.17 Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So here comes this big judgment, a message of judgment from Elijah. Now, I know that Jezebel was directly responsible for Naboth's death, but at any time, Ahab could have stopped Naboth's murder from happening because his death warrant was sent out in Ahab's own name, which meant it had his approval and authority upon it to get it done. And for the Lord to say that dogs would lick up Ahab's blood, that was an indication of a dishonorable, insulting, especially for a king, an insulting death. You see, dogs back then were not the cuddly little domesticated pets that we have. They were little scavenger animals that were wild that ran around picking at whatever they can get. And it was, it was an insult for a king to have his blood licked up by a dog because typically whenever a king died, they had their body guarded. It was placed in an elaborate royal funeral that were the utmost respect was because he's royalty. He was a king. That's why the Lord said your do the, the dogs are going to lick your blood, even yours. Even you as a king, yes, your blood, this is what's going to happen to you for what you did. You're going to die a miserable insult of a death because of the wickedness that Ahab was putting on to other people. So you remember how afraid Elijah was of Ahab and Jezebel back in chapter 19, but now he had to trust God enough with to have the courage to go walk right back up to the both of them and give them this harsh message of this judgment that was coming. I think we can see a big journey that Elijah went through. He was afraid, and now he's going to go back and do that bold work again. First Kings 21 and 20. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. So you know it's amazing how Elijah approached Ahab while he was standing in the very vineyard that he took away from Naboth. It's like you caught caught him red-handed with his hand in the cookie jar. Now before Elijah set out to go that way, the Lord told him, 
there he is in the vineyard of Naboth. Basically, the Lord just ratted him out. Friends, you got to understand when you're doing things wrong, you know you are. Do you realize that the Lord could just go tell somebody, look what what you're doing and just rat you out and just tell tell somebody directly that you're doing something wrong and have them come to you? And the first words that fell out of Ahab's mouth was not, hey, welcome, how you doing? Hadn't seen you in a while, Elijah. Come on over here. Let's talk. It was none of that. What he first said were hateful words right off the bat. He called Elijah his enemy. And Ahab already knew that he was not going to like whatever it was that Elijah had come to say. So you can tell that Ahab pretty much expected that a man of God from somewhere was going to hunt him down and renounce him for his conduct. And so when Elijah said, you have sold yourself, you sold yourself, he meant that Ahab had abandoned the principles and the expectations that a king was supposed to have over Israel. The the expectations and responsibilities of a king, that was also written in God's law. There were things that a king could and could not do, was supposed to do and not supposed to do. So you can see how Ahab just did not care about God's law whatsoever. And so that's why Elijah said, you have sold yourself. He sold himself off just to get whatever he wanted for himself. And, you know, that's really no different than the attitude that Ben-Hadad had against Ahab in the previous chapter. Ben-Hadad come up and said, hey, I'm going to take what I want from you. And Ahab goes, well, no, you're not. And then he freaked out and the Lord God came down to help him, right? So if if it was wrong for Ben-Hadad to come and say, hey, I'm going to take whatever I want, then wouldn't you think Ahab would have learned that this is wrong to just go take Naboth's vineyard? I'm just going to take whatever I want. Well, wait a minute. Ahab, it's like I want to ask him, don't you remember how it felt when Ben-Hadad came and did the same thing to you? You didn't like it. You said, I'm not going to do it. He told Ben-Hadad no. Well, Naboth told Ahab no. I mean, why doesn't he understand this? The man is just consumed with selfishness, right? He never learned a cotton-picking thing. (laughs) So Elijah gave Ahab two examples of how his family line would end up. It was just like the kings Jeroboam and Basha. Both of these guys had their entire family lines killed off from existing. You know, every man loves to leave a family legacy behind. Men are very serious when it comes to their family name surviving past their days. And so not only was it harsh for Ahab to hear of his own death coming, but to snuff out his entire legacy, his entire family line after him, that made the judgment just a hundred times worse to have to hear that because his whole family ancestral line was going to come to an end. You got to think the Lord once fought for Ahab and gave him direction on how to be saved from Ben-Hadad when Ben-Hadad came to take things away from him. he Ahab was given chance after chance, escape after escape, help after help. But since Ahab persistently refused to turn back to the Lord, then he would have to stand alone this time without anybody to defend him Nobody was going to come help him this time. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.